Um, guys, this is our last ever Chi Alpha of 2017. Not ever, just of 2017. Uh, no, it's not a prophecy. <laughs> um, you guys all expressed your sadness earlier. It's understandable, but guys, this has been an awesome semester. Uh, if you've been with us at all in Monday nights, then you know we've been going through this minor prophet series. Um, and our hope with this series was not to talk about a bunch of dudes with a bunch of weird names and you know, like really sad stories, but our hope was to show the character and the beauty of God through what these books had to say. And so ultimately, um, this series has been about seeing God in a new way, in a new light through what the prophets had to say. And so, tonight, I get the privilege of concluding our series by talking about a guy named Haggai. And that's how you spell his name. It's kind of a ugh, name. It's got hag in it. So, another weird name. But before we get into that, um, before we get into the book, you guys cool if we do something fun? Cool. All right. Um, maybe. Raise your hand in this room if you want to be described as a brave person. I definitely want to be a brave person. I heard a wise man once say, it takes a brave man to talk about his past, but it takes a braver man to show pictures of his past. Guys, I'm going to be brave tonight, and I'm going to show pictures of my past, many of which are very embarrassing, and you guys are in for a real treat. So... I just have to start off, you always have to start off with the obligatory cute pictures. So, yes, say all. I was cute. I think these two pictures represent me well. The one on the left, I'm inquisitive. If you know me, you know I'm inquisitive. And the one on the right, well, I was a thug growing up. Still a thug. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not a thug. But I wore Mickey Mouse, and I was awesome. Um, though I was a cute baby, which I will admit that I think I was a cute baby, um, I had this terrible problem of ruining pictures. Um, still kind of do it today, but unintentionally. And so this picture that I'm about to show you was from my family vacation when I was about the same age. And, well, I've never lived this picture down. This is the picture. That's me in the front. <laughs> Losing my mind, crying. And guys, when I say I haven't lived this picture down, there's like 10 more pictures like this when we're older and the, all my cousins are making fun of me. And it's just really, really sad. Um, but that doesn't compare. I think my worst picture that I ever ruined was my fifth grade um, class, like the entire fifth grade. They brought in this big camera, you know, guy up on a mount. And well, this is, the, well, you can just look. <laughs> I'm the only kid wearing the wrong shirt in the picture. Hey, in my defense, they told me to wear your school shirt. They didn't say which one, so I wore the wrong one. Um, yeah, I, I was a cute kid, I think. But, you know, some, some of you grow into beautiful people. I didn't get that luck. This is what I grew into as I grew up. <laughs> that is the epitome of dorkiness. I mean, the backpack alone is terrible. But this, yes, laugh away. And so, guys, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. My mom dressed me, maybe. But 
So I decided, you know what? It's I'm going into junior high. I'm gonna I'm gonna be cool. So what's the best way to be cool than by joining choir? Choir, yeah. Friends, I uh, I'm gonna tell you a true story. In seventh grade, my choir director before a concert. I was, I was part of a quartet, so we four guys, we had to sing in the front. And my choir director took me aside an hour before the concert and said, Sean, it's okay if you just move your mouth and don't actually <laughs> sing. <laughs> very sad, but very true because I can't sing if you know me. Um, you know, but I didn't let that deter me. So in high school, I decided I'm going to give singing another chance. And I, so I grew up in the Catholic Church, and we have this thing called confirmation, and it doesn't matter what it is. We had to go on a retreat, and we had to do classes. And I had so much fun my junior year that my senior year of high school, I said, I'm going to go back and help with that. I'm going to be a senior helper. And one of the things they had us do was make a video, and it was about the Holy Spirit, and it was called Holy Spirit Grease. <laughs> yes, yeah, some of you know where this is going. Somehow, some way, I was cast as Danny Zuko. I still don't know why, but I'm going to show you a clip. Uh, the really sad thing is that the girl is actually a really good singer, and it just shows how much worse I was. So here's the, here's the video. Oh, turn the volume up. One sec. The best part's coming up. I can't wait for the day that they take that off of YouTube so no one has to see it. Well, guys, I gave up on my singing career after that. I said, I'm going to go to college for business. I'll get an accounting degree. I'll do something else with my life. And when I went to college, I ran into this beautiful little Mexican girl <laughs> who didn't care that I had a bad voice, who didn't care that I ruined pictures, and who actually liked my dorkiness and would actually wear matching pug t-shirts with me in public. I still have it, and she still has hers. And by God's grace... She decided that she would marry me, and it was awesome. And this is my favorite picture. This is my favorite picture from our wedding day. I don't really know why. I just know that I love this picture. And, and it's really cool. Like, we, we love pictures. We love videos, right? We love, we love reminiscing. We love looking at these things. We love the, the memories that we have associated. But have any of you guys ever wondered why we actually like these? Why we like pictures, right? Like, when I was thinking about this, and I was like, Lord, like, why do we really like these? I think, obviously, we like them because we do like looking at stuff. We like seeing the past. But I think more than that, 
We like pictures because we want to be remembered. None of us like the idea of being forgotten, right? We despise it. Like, honestly, Nate, I don't think you want your gravestone one day to say, here lies Nate, his life was a waste of oxygen, right? Like, <laughs> no, one wa- no one wants to be forgotten. No one wants that. We want people to remember us. And so we do things that will leave a mark on this world, right? And we don't just do it with pic- Like, obviously, we take pictures, but we do it with other things. We build architectures and skyscrapers, and we make music, and we make art, right? We, we join the Peace Corps. We do all these, these things to leave a mark on this world because we don't want to be forgotten. We want our lives to mean something more than just the 70 or 80 years or 100 years that we get, right? But... You're going to be honest with yourself. How many of you would say that in a hundred years from now you think people will remember you? Did a little bit of math just to, I know that was a little heavy, but I did a little bit of math just to kind of put in perspective just how few of us are actually remembered. Okay, so there are estimated roughly 108 billion people that have ever lived on the earth since mankind kind of came about. And for our example, let's just say 10 million people were ever worthy of being remembered. And Ryan, I know you like math, so you can check my math and prove me wrong if I'm wrong. But let's just say 10 million people, that's a lot of people, right? So 10 million divided by 108 billion people. That means that 0.00009% of humanity has ever been remembered. That is one ten-thousandth of a percent. That is a very small number. And unless you are in that small number who's going to be remembered after your death, most people will not remember you 100 years from now. And so if we're not going to be remembered 100 years from now, if our lives aren't going to mean anything in the history books, if people won't look at our pictures, if they're not going to care about our names, if nothing we do will make our memories last, then are we wasting our time just trying not to be forgotten on this earth? Now, this is a very real question. It's one that much of the world struggles with because it's a question of purpose, right? It's why are we even here? What are, what are we doing here? What's the point? And as with all the tough questions of life, I believe that God really does have the best answers. And so tonight we're going to look at God's answers in the book of Haggai. And so if you open your Bible or follow along on the screen, we're going to be reading from Haggai chapter 1. It's another one of those short books. It has two chapters. And we're going to be reading verse 1 through 15. And so this is what it says. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, to Zerubbabel, and to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, this time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your wood-paneled houses while the temple remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in purses with holes. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much. But see, it turned out to be little. What, ha- what you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, 
while each of you is busy with your own houses. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. And just jump down to 12. Then Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the, to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month. Guys, this, cr- this passage is incredible. And if you don't see it yet, that's okay. It was a lot, but I promise you will. This passage, this passage is incredible. This is not normal in the Bible. So... As we always do, we give context, right? We think context is important because to, to, for the Bible to mean anything to us, we need to know first what it meant to them. So, in this situation, as we've been talking about all semester, Babylon has come in. They're this country, this huge, you know, big brother type country, and they come in and they just wipe out Israel. And the reason that Israel gets wiped out and put in exile is because they have not turned from their sin, right? And so God takes Babylon and says says that they can come in and 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 take Israel captive and so for 70 years Israel is in exile in Babylon they're taken out of their home country and they go to another place for 70 years but after these 70 years are up God comes to them and he says you know what you can go back to the promised land I give you permission to go back and it's so cool because when he says to go back he only gives them one condition he says if you go back, I want you to build my temple, to build my temple. When Babylon came in, they just destroyed everything. They knocked the temple down. They, they just made it desolate, right? And so 50,000, roughly 50,000 Israelites decide, okay, we're going to go back. We're going to go back across the desert, and we're going to go rebuild our city and our temple. And it's really cool, guys. It's actually so sick. They go back loaded, right? This is the people that's, like, going across the desert. So the king of Babylon actually cared about them enough to say, here's a bunch of money and a bunch of supplies so that you can build your temple. And so they go back loaded, and it's, it's so sick. They actually get there, and they start building the temple, and they're like, they're, they're just, you know, so excited. And they've got all this passion. And in, two, in just two short years, they already have the foundation of the temple laid, this huge, you know, like concrete, a stone. I mean, they don't have concrete the way we do, so it took them a long time. But just as every good thing, you know, it's going great, something bad comes along, right? And so, Israel, they're building this temple, and then all of a sudden, they have opposition from the people in the land, right? And so the people, they don't like them, they don't like that Israel's back, they had kind of moved into their place, and so they start going after them. And then, things get worse whenever Babylon stops giving their subsidy, because a new king comes into power. So they've got no money and they got a bunch of people that hate them. And all of a sudden, they just stop building the temple. It just stops completely. In fact, the Bible says that it stop, stopped for so long that 14 years pass and not another stone was laid. Not another stone was laid. And so this takes us to where our passage is now, right? This is where we come along. And God, in this passage, is saying that he's upset with Israel. He's upset that they've stopped building a temple. Now, when I saw this passage, 
I was like, wait a second, God. This is not fair. This It's not fair that you're mad at them. Like, they they couldn't control the fact that the money stopped and that the people came after them. Like, they weren't the ones responsible. How could you be mad at them when they weren't even the ones in control of the situation? I mean, doesn't it kind of seem like it's a little unfair that God is mad at the people because just because of the situation? But God knows how they felt and how we feel even when we read this, and so he doesn't leave himself without an explanation. In fact, he tells us exactly why he's upset. Haggai 1, verse 9, God says this, You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with your own houses. My house is in ruins, while each of you is just making yours look good. Fourteen years had passed, guys. Fourteen years. That is, that is not a short time. Most of you haven't been, al- that's, half of your, that's more than half of your life. The time had come and gone when opposition and money was something that they had to worry about. They couldn't use that as an excuse to why they didn't build the temple. I mean, Israel, they were actually on the up and up, right? They, they were uh, trading with nations around them. They had reestablished their agricultural system. They were bringing in money from across the land. They, they're starting to make a name for themselves again. In fact, things had gotten so good for the Israelites that verse 4 actually tells us that they had wood-paneled houses. Wood-paneled houses. Can you believe that? No? No? It's not? Guys, this is a huge deal. Okay, I'll explain. When Babylon came and took over a country, they didn't just bust down the buildings and take the people. They went so far as to cut down even the trees. Because when they left the place, they said, like, pe- they wanted people to say, oh, crap, that was the, that Babylon was here. Like, that's what they wanted to do. And they would cut down trees. They would make this place so desolate and unlivable that no one could come back. And so when the people came back after 70 years, there weren't any trees. And we know this because pa- verse 8 tells us that when God told the Israelites to get wood, he said, go into the mountains because there wasn't even any wood in Israel, even after 14 years. So with wood being scarce and totally far off, if you had a wood-paneled house, that meant that you were loaded. That meant that you had enough money to not only buy the wood, but then to import it from across the land. I mean, honestly, guys, like the the modern-day equivalent of having wood-paneled houses is like having a golden toilet in your house. Like, yes, it serves a purpose, it, it does its job, but honestly, it's just a status symbol, right? Like, no one needs a golden toilet. No one needs these wood-paneled houses. The wood panels, they didn't serve any, any real use. They were just to show off. Israel, they were focused on their houses because they wanted to make a name for themselves, right? They wanted the world to notice them again, and they were spending all of their money on themselves. You see, you, you see why God was upset? I mean... They had more than enough money, more than enough money to build to buy the wood to build the temple, but they're buying it for themselves. 
The Israelites, they're sitting in their comfy homes saying, look at what we've done. We're making a name for ourselves again. The world's recognizing us. Look, people are going to remember us as the people that came, overcame Babylon. We're the people that rose from the dead. Israel, they were taking pictures. They were building monuments. They were wanting the world to remember them. And their top priority was to establish themselves. And in doing so, they left what God had asked them to do undone. And so it's really cool, though, because if I was God, I'd be pretty upset. I'd, be, I'd just want to, like, get mad. But it's really cool because God doesn't respond with anger in this passage. He responds with a challenge. He doesn't respond with anger. He responds with a challenge. And if I could sum up what God is saying in these 15 verses in four words, I would say this. What God is effectively saying to the Israelites through Haggai is this. Get off your butts. <laughs> Get off your butts. You spent 14 years pampering yourselves in your houses while my house is in ruins. Get off your butts. But but God, wha- why can't we build our houses first? Are you, are you really going to make us live in tents? Like, come on, God. Get off your butts. But God, listen, shouldn't we focus on building ourselves up first? Don't you want us to be happy? Don't, don't you think if we're happy, then we can serve you well? Get off your butts. Well, God, wouldn't we just serve you better if we had everything sorted out in our lives? And, if, and, and if, if we were remembered and if people knew our names, wouldn't you get more glory that way? Get off your butts. And guys, we, we do the same thing today, right? We say, well, hey, why do I have to talk to people about Jesus? I mean, don't you see all the pictures of my Bible that I post on Instagram? I mean, Bible or coffee in the word, right? Like people know why do I got to talk about Jesus? My bio has my biography has a a Bible verse and a cool quote. Why do I got to go to small group and resource group? Don't you know that I have to do homework so that I can get good grades so that I can get a good job? And don't you know that if I get this good job and have good money, then I can serve Jesus better? Why do I have to go to small group or resource now? Why do I have to give up <laughs> my free time for Jesus? Are you really is he really asking us for that? I mean, hey, if I want to go home and watch Netflix for five hours after class, I mean Jesus told us to rest, right? So I mean, isn't that you know would God really ask me to do something as embarrassing as pray for a classmate or write a paper about him? I mean, doesn't he know that social suicide? Why is it such a big deal for God to want me to do these things now while I'm young? Can't I just get that young part of my life out of the way and experience and do all these things and then get right with him later? I mean, guys, why was it why was it such a big deal to God to have the Israelites build this silly little temple anyways? What was the big deal? It was a big deal to God to build this temple because God was inviting the Israelites into something far bigger than just building a temple. God was inviting them to come alongside him in order to change eternity. And all they had to do was say yes. Now, if you haven't seen why this passage is incredible, I'll show you. 
God, he's challenging them, right? He says, get off your butts. Do something. Stop focusing on yourselves. And verse 12 through 14 tells us how they respond. This is what it says. Then the whole remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God. Do you see why this passage is incredible? God told them to get off their butts, and they did. Guys, if you've ever read your Bible, this is not normal. God's people are really bad at listening to him. He's like, go this way, and they're like, okay, this way. I'm good. You know, it's like, no, do this. Oh, we're going to do that. Like, they are terrible, terrible at listening to God. They were so bad. That's what they, they were essentially, it's like, you're God's people, but you guys are, yeah, don't act like it, right? But here, this time, they did listen. And because they obeyed God and got off their butts, and because they made him a priority, something far greater than just a stone temple was built. Because of their actions, they came alongside God, and eternity was changed forever. But if you're wondering how, how did eternity change forever, right? This is, I mean, it's just a building. It's just a, it's just stones. I mean, what's the big deal? And honestly, if you look at history, this, this temple's not here anymore, right? It was destroyed. So how can you say that this temple was eternal? How can you say it affected eternity? Well, I'll tell you. Eternity was changed forever because this temple was the very same temple that Jesus himself walked in. This was the very same temple where Jesus was dedicated as a baby and the world first knew that the Messiah had come. This was the very same temple where Jesus came as a boy and the world knew that his wisdom was from God. This was the very same temple where Jesus taught day in and day out and proved that he spoke in the authority of God. This was the very same temple where Jesus proved to the world that he cared more about God's business than what man's business was. And so he drove out the money changers. This was the very same temple that Jesus contrasted himself to when he said, I am the dwelling place of God. And this is the very same temple where God proved to the entire world that what Jesus had done on the cross was victory. And had the Israelites not listened, had they not built this temple, had they not laid down their priorities and taken up God's, some of the most important things in your Bible would not be there. In fact, in my opinion, one of the most important, one of the most significant things that ever happened in all of history was when the veil was torn in the temple. So if you don't know, there was this place in the temple called the Holy of Holies. It was the place where God's presence dwelt. And they had put this huge, like 30-foot tall curtain, and this massive curtain. It was a veil, and the veil represented separation from God. It was man, man could not go into God's presence because of sin. And on that day that Jesus died, on that cross, God himself tore the veil from the top down. And he tore it as a sign that we could now enter his presence, that the world could enter his presence because of what Jesus did. 
But this would not have happened had the Israelites not obeyed and built God's temple. If there was no temple, we wouldn't have this. And yes, this temple was destroyed 2,000 years ago. And it no longer stands today. But the words of Jesus and the record of the torn veil have remained. Just the words that Jesus spoke in the last week of his life while teaching at the temple, you guys wouldn't imagine how much of your Bible would be gone just from that last week if he hadn't gone to that temple and taught. And all of this because the Israelites, they got off their butts and they did something for God. They came alongside God and eternity was changed by their obedience. God was calling them to something that would last. He was calling them to lay down their priorities and their silly ideas of making a name for themselves, like wood-paneled houses, so that he could give them a name that would last forever. And there's such a powerful truth here. When we stop doing things for ourselves just to make a name for ourselves and to be remembered and start doing something for the Lord, it's only then that we will actually be remembered for anything that's lasting. But we don't serve God just to be remembered. That just comes as a byproduct of serving Him, right? We serve Him because He's worth it. And all throughout history, men and women of God have gotten off their butts and they've done something for God. And though they're not remembered in our history books, and though they don't have movies made about them, eternity has been changed forever. Many of you are here because men and women before you just got off their butts and did something. This Chi is here because guys and girls like you got off their butts and did something. And so many more will know Jesus if you get off your butts and do something. And the craziest thing is that just as God invited the Israelites to come alongside him to change eternity, he's doing the same with you and me. Even now, even today, he is inviting us to change eternity with him. The band, you guys can go ahead and come up. And as the band comes up, I just want to ask this question. What mark are you going to leave when you are gone? Will it be one that only lasts until your grandkids' time? Will it just be pictures in a photo album? Or will it be some monument to your name? Or will it be something eternal? Guys, I can promise you that in 100 years, no one is going to care about Holy Spirit Greece. No one, if they find it, is going to say, this is funny or cool. It, no one is going to care whether I was a good speaker or not. No one is going to care about my marriage to Heather. My, f- my own family three or four generations from now won't care. People aren't going to remember my name. But in eternity, in eternity I will be remembered for something. I'll be remembered for how I was faithful to Jesus with what he asked me to do. And what he asked me to do is make disciples. While God has not called us to build a temple, that would be kind of odd, he has called us to build something far more beautiful. He's called us to build people. 
He's called us to make disciples and lead people to him. He's called us to get off our butts and to change eternity with him. Do you know why eternity won't be the same if you do something for God? Eternity will not be the same because when you're obedient to Jesus, there will be people who will be with him in heaven who would never have been there had you not said yes. There are people that only you will be able to reach. And if you reach out to them, and if you fight for them, if you do this alongside God, eternity will be changed forever because more will be with him. God has called us to get off our butts and to do something with him. He's asking us to lay down our priorities and to take up his. But you must ask yourself questions like these. Are you willing to serve forgotten and without applause in this generation? Are you willing to let go of your reputation that you've built up all these years? Or in these six months at college, four months. Are you willing to serve unnoticed in this life? Are you willing to be insignificant so that Christ can be significant? Are you willing to be an etc. for the glory of Jesus? Are you willing to give up a short season of your existence to serve your king well? Because if you are willing to serve God well, the Bible says that one day we will stand before God and in front of all of heaven. God will say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant, Ryan. Well done, my good and faithful servant, Mary. Well done, my good and faithful servant, Micah. Well done, Andy. Well done, Brooklyn. Well done. And you, I am well pleased. All of heaven will remember your name if you're obedient to your king. But the coolest thing about this is that that is the, sl- that is the s- smallest of joys. Right? We, we all want to be remembered. We want to be remembered here, but honestly, it's, it's pretty futile trying to be remembered here on earth. But in eternity, we will be remembered. But that joy is only the slightest compared to the joy of seeing those who will be with you. Just imagine one day you're standing before God and you look behind you and you see all the people who are with him because you were obedient. And even that, that will pale in comparison to the greatest joy of being with your king and knowing that he is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. The God of the universe is happy just to be with you because you're obedient. Guys, we're strangers on this earth. We're not going to be here for long. We're going to be gone much sooner than we think. Jordan and I were just talking, I'm 24, I'm not that old, but it's weird. I'm 24. I still feel like I'm like 18. What if we did something for God? What if we laid down our priorities and took up his? Time is too short and eternity is too real to be playing games with God and wasting his time. Are we going to take God seriously? Are we going to prove him worthy? Is he really worth it? This decision is up to each of us. But I promise you that if you take God seriously, eternity will never be the same. Eternity will never be the same, and heaven will only be better 
because you did something for him. So our response tonight is simple. We're just going to respond to the same challenge that he gave to the Israelites to get off our butts. Are we willing to stop adding wooden panels to our houses and instead build what God has asked us to? And so the way we're going to respond, like I said, it's simple, is that when, when I'm done praying and when the worship team starts singing, I don't want you guys to stand up just, just yet. I want you guys to stay in your seats. And I want you to ask God to search you and to ask yourself, are you willing to be obedient to him? Whatever he says. And if you're willing, I want you to respond by just standing up. After God has spoken to you, it may be a few seconds, it may be the third song. But when you're willing, stand up and know that your obedience starts then. Guys, there are two weeks left of school, and then you go home for Christmas break. But do not wait until next semester to be obedient. Don't wait. Don't wait until you have everything together. No one ever has everything together. You get crazier as you get older. Get off your butts now because time is too short and eternity is too real. So the response is practical. If you're willing to do something for God, then stand up, worship him, and be obedient to what he says. Jesus, thank you, God. Lord, just, uh, God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, speak. Speak to us directly, God. Speak clearly to us. Let us hear your voice. And God, I pray for willing hearts and obedient hearts, Jesus. We love you, Lord. I just trust you, Jesus. In your name, amen.